cliffcentral.com. Time for us to check in with Dr. Hanan, and we're going to see what he has to tell us this morning. And, of course, uh, no doubt uh, Candace has a couple of questions for him. I've got to tell you, Doc, uh, you know, it, it's good to see you as always. I keep dropping your pearls of wisdom among groups of people that I know. I, I mentioned it at a talk I was doing the other day. I give you credit every time. Don't worry. But, um, but people are always, people are always really, really impressed by this stuff. And, you know, I, I sometimes think we started taking you for granted that we have you here, here every Monday, but it's amazing. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. No, 100%. All right. So, Candice, do you want to uh, pose any questions to Dr. Hanan this morning? We, we know how complicated your life is. <laughs> Dr. Hanan, you know, since I can't afford you. Um, <laughs> no, I think the question that is always going through my mind is we are in this hyper-independent time in society where so many women are, like, you know, making their own money, doing all the things. But what I realize is it impacts our attachment style. So this hyper-independence leads to like either anxious attachment or avoidant attachment style. And I want to know if you don't have a healthy model of relationships, like how do you start working on integrating another human being into your life, you know, without that coming to the surface? So when it comes to different attachment styles, the way we grow up there, you know, our parents might raise us in different ways. Um, some are very attached because of their own insecurities. Some are very fearful. Some are very avoidant, which breeds different ways of, of the child engaging with the world. And some of these ways are become really functional and some of the ways become dysfunctional. And uh, what I'd like to tell parents always, before we get obviously to relationships later on, but what I'd like to tell parents is just, just boil it down into two. Are you consistent in your approach with your children are you, or are you inconsistent with your approach to your children? Because what I t- tell people when we discuss the coin theory always is inconsistency equals zero value. And when it comes to attachment styles, if you're raising your children in an inconsistent way, you're going to breed toxic attachment styles. Because what ends up happening is the child is always in a fight or flight response. What you want to breed is consistency. The brain likes to be able to predict. The brain likes to be able to know what's coming up next. And when it does, it can relax. So, for example, if I told you, listen, I'm going to, well, let's play a game. I'm going to put you on a platform. And every time I push a button, you drop. And every time you drop, you're going to hurt yourself. But I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to push this button. So it's random and it's inconsistent. So I might push it in a minute. I might push it in a second. I might push it in a year. You're not sure. You're naturally going to feel anxious, which is a fight or flight, which is a natural response to my stimulus. So um, because my prediction is inconsistent, your brain is constantly looking for when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? You're going to create monsters in your head. But let's just say I do exactly the same thing, but this time I'm going to tell you, listen, here's my commitment. I'm only going to push the button every hour on the hour. Even though, yes, you are going to get hurt, assuming I'm going to drop you and you're going to get hurt, at least you can predict when it's happening and you can feel secure even when there's hurt in the relationship. So when it comes to parents' attachment styles, If I teach my children the name of the game and I teach them the rules of the game and I say, if you do X, 
this is what's going to happen and these are the consequences, yes, there will be consequences and they will be meaningful to you. The moment you know how the game is played, you can feel secure in the relationship with the person. But when my parents bring me up in an environment or parents bring their children up in environments where the child might get hurt, but I can't tell you when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or why it's going to happen, suddenly you don't understand the rules of the game, you might enter into a fight or flight. Now, translating that into relationships later on, when the adult now grows up, always being in a fight or flight, expecting to get hurt at any point and not knowing when it's going to happen, that creates a fearful avoidant fight-or-flight attachment style between the adults, which is incredibly unhealthy. Can I just ask us to back up a second? Um, I've never been familiar or heard the term attachment style. What What is that? Because you and Candace seem to be speaking a language that I don't understand. So attachment style is the way it starts early on, the way the child bonds with a parent. So some the most obviously... A uh, secure attachment style is called a secure attachment style where you have a healthy dependence with the parent for things that are important at that age group. So, for example, yeah. a baby will have a secure attachment style. I need food and shelter and warmth and protection from a parent. But as the child grows older, he needs that there needs to be an independent or it needs to be distance, which is very healthy. So a secure attachment style is a healthy, realistic, responsible attachment style whilst and an unhealthy attachment style is where it's based on, I need to be there for my parent because I feel guilty. Because if I'm not there for my parent, then they fall apart. So I need to protect my parent. That's one way of uh, seeing an unhealthy attachment style. Right. Okay. So, so what you're saying here is that this, this stuff all comes from when you're a kid. And then you transfer this stuff in your adult relationships as well to other people. Sure. So the way the brain works, we must understand is that it generalizes events. So for example, if I get bitten by a Rottweiler, I'm not going to fear that Rottweiler. I'm going to fear all Rottweilers. And the worst the event is, I'm going to fear even all dogs. So if a person, God forbid, gets, let's say, raped by a person, the fear is not going to be of that person. It's going to be all people, all human beings, period. So the attachment style works in no different way. So if I have a particularly unhealthy attachment style with mom or with dad, and now suddenly I have to look after them or suddenly I feel in that fight or flight between me and them, naturally I generalize it to all human beings that might make me vulnerable or that might get close to me. So I generalize the attachment styles. Yeah, that's handy to know. So Candice, is this is this because you're preparing now to date some Afrikaans dude you met on the show and started well, DMing you? Is this why you're asking? Let's back it up, everyone. Let's see how this goes, slow and steady. Um, <laughs> no, because I think I'm I like I am more of an avoidance attacher. Like I tend to be like, uh, mm, mm, mm. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to make sure that I give him a fair shot, a fair shakedown. You know, I don't jump to conclusions. And I know it's based on that attachment style that I developed that Dr. Nan was speaking about. But, you know, Candice, I, I want to I add some, something that might be valuable to you. To be avoidant at certain times is incredibly healthy. So I have I challenge always people to go because people come and see me and they say to me, Hanan, I'm always avoidant uh, or I'm always confrontational. Uh, what's wrong with me? 
And I say to people, it's not the fact that you're avoidant and confrontational, it's a problem. It's that you're avoidant confrontational in the, at the wrong times. Because sometimes being avoidant of something that's quite dangerous is very good. And sometimes confronting of something right. that you should be confronting in order to make yourself more productive and efficient is very good. So to generalize and say, I'm always avoidant, I'm always confrontational, is good or bad, it's not true in, the, in which environment, in which context. So the moment you grow up in an environment where you are, maybe you've been hurt or you've been disappointed by someone, whether it's a parent or later on a teacher or later on another family member or later on a partner, naturally your brain is going to go, no, 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 I don't trust. Now, not trusting the right person, in other words, not trusting somebody that cannot be trusted is very good. It protects you. But you've got to ask yourself, am I, am I putting up the walls in relationships mm-hmm. where I should be dropping down the walls? And I always say behavior is king. Behavior is king. Just remember that behavior is king. It's not about how do I drop the wall or how do I start to trust before I do it. So how many times on the show have we said, you do first, feelings later. And the analogy that I've given a hundred times here on the show is the bungee jump. We don't feel comfortable before we do it. We do it and 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 do it. And then the comfort comes up automatically. It's a byproduct of the behavior. So when it comes to dropping your walls, how do I begin to trust? Because a lot of people go, well, how do I begin to trust? Behave as though you do over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, like the bungee jump and the feelings come up automatically. Behavior is king. I I do want to go back to Candice's question, though, because I think that this is something a lot of people are dealing with, not just women. Although women, there's this very uh, bizarre thing that's happened only in the last maybe generation or two where gender roles have become a whole lot more confusing. You know, women have to be these strong, independent women. Like that's the key line that every woman wants associated with her, a strong, independent woman. And there are a lot of women in the world who probably don't want that and who feel that that's not their number one goal. And then they're made to feel like they're second best because all the strong independent women are busy crowing about how good they are. You know, Beyonce singing songs about single ladies and so on. A lot of women are actually, and I suppose a lot of men too, are actually looking for a situation where they don't have to be a strong independent woman. Maybe they're sick of that because they've been doing that their whole life and it's been bloody hard. And they'd now like to be in a relationship where they can share the responsibilities with a guy or even let the guy take on that stuff and they can be at home and they can look after the household, the kids, be a a mom, be a wife, all of those things, which are real jobs too, by the way, and are not any, uh, any lower expectation of that woman's ability. Isn't that right, doc? There's, there's a lot of this modern crap that's crawled in and it's not for everybody. Yeah, you know what? I always like to dive into definition of things. And women can be strong and independent in their own ways and in their own definition. You know, I say to men, try be a mother for one day. And I'm telling you, 95% of men will just quit halfway through. It's a, it's like having a three full-time jobs and try to look after the household, which makes you – but unfortunately, society has given strong and independence – it's given it the definition of I must work at a corporate, I must 
bring in money. I must uh, work up the corporate ladder. I must have the position and power to enable me to fire people and to take control and be empowered that way. But that's not my only definition of strong and independent. You could be strong and independent and look after your own your own community, which could be your own family, which could define you as incredibly strong and incredibly independent. Right. Okay. Well, I think that's all we got time for this morning. As always, Doc, good to have you on. And nice we will check you in. Nice. Thank you very much. Awesome. Dr. Hernan Bushkin. And uh, we, get to, we get to have a little psych session with him every week. Isn't that great? Oh, keeping me he's up. amazing. Wow, we're... That's why we're all so mentally stable. Yeah. <laughs> Our weekly therapy session. But I love what you said at the end there, Gareth. I think it's important because God knows I'm tired of being a strong, independent black woman. Dear God, it is exhausting. It is a full-time job, okay? And I know the feminists are going to pick it at my door, come through. As long as you're coming with sustenance, you know, I'm good with it. But, yeah, it is so overrated, man. Like Whoa. this whole, like, doing life on your own. Do you know how you keep the feminists out, by the way? No. Just make your door this much smaller. They won't get it. Cliffcentral.com.